0: Italian Wine Podcast Chin with Italian Wine People Italian Wine Podcast, as Wine2Wine 2020 media partner, is proud to present a series of sessions chosen to highlight key themes and ideas and recorded during the two-day event held on November 23rd and 24th, 2020. Wine2Wine 2020 represented the first first ever fully digital edition of the Business to Business Forum. Visit wine2wine.net and make sure to attend future editions of Wine to Wine Business Forum. Before I start, I have to tell you that I'm sitting in a room looking at my PowerPoint slide and nothing else, um, which is one of the weirdest presentations I've ever done. So please bear with me while I go through this. Um, But... You may have seen in July this year a whole lot of publicity about a wine called Aveline, which was launched by Hollywood star Karen Diaz and her friend Catherine Powers. Now, the reason that this got so much uh, publicity wasn't simply that they were another bunch of celebrities launching a wine, but because of the claims that they were making about this wine. They called it a clean wine and the publicity said that they were going to take on the wine industry and introduce transparency to wine. And what did they? Mean by that? Well, interestingly enough, um, not only did did this take off, they sold lots and lots and lots of wine, but it turned out that at the same time, there were other people making these claims in the media as well. There were these people, um, Feldman and Dunlop, who at the same time, through Forbes and Business Insider, were also talking about a wine that was clean. and What does clean wine mean? What they were talking about was wine where they were transparent about the ingredients they were using in it. Particularly what they were saying is that commercial wine is full of additives and ingredients that are really bad for you and that the wine industry is not talking about it and that they have made it their mission to force the wine industry to start talking about these toxic chemicals that are apparently in wine. Well, curiously enough, What's really, what's really interesting about um, both of these wines is that neither of the people who were producing them, neither Diaz nor the the team behind Good Clean Wine, actually told you anything about where the wines came from. The whole sales pitch is about the fact that they're free of toxins. Now, I was watching this and I'd been watching this for a while and i have been noticing that in the United States there was a lot of social discussion about wine additives and I wanted to know where it was coming from. So I... I did some research before this happened and I discovered that there's four drivers of a new trend which the wine industry really needs to understand. At the moment, it's a relatively small trend inside the United States, but many of the people who are proponents of this are launching attacks on the wine industry that the wine industry needs to know about and it needs to know how to respond to so, first of all, where is this coming from? Well, there's four sources of, uh, that are feeding into it. First is concern for the environment. As heard from Rebecca's book, young people particularly are very concerned about sustainability and the environment. And part of that, interestingly enough, is how many people are turning to vegetarian and vegan diets because they know that a plant-based diet is better for the planet. And this was where Cameron Diaz had really noticed something. She said that the wine was a vegan. When she started looking into wine, she was horrified to discover that wine, sometimes in production, uses animal-based products like egg whites or isinglass. And she thought that the world needed to know. And, um, of course, these are very traditional things that have been done for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, but suddenly these things that for the wine industry are traditions are being presented as noxious. So there's the vegetarian and the vegan part of it. The second part of it is the popularity of something called the keto diet, which has really exploded. It's one of the top diets inside the United States and has been for the last couple of years. It's, a, it's basically, in short, a high fat, low carbohydrate diet. And anyone who's on it is really particularly worried about sugar. They want to kick any sugar out of their diet. So there's that. And there's something called the clean beauty trend, which um, I'll talk about in a moment, but it, it's had an outsized impact on how people are thinking about wine. Clean beauty really started about 10 years ago with questions over whether there were toxic or noxious ingredients in in um, cosmetic formulations or not and it's upended the world of clean beauty uh, of of beauty in a way that's now beginning to affect other industries and the fourth leg of this table of what's behind this is of course wellness trends um, but wellness encompasses a lot of things at one end you've got very sort of science and health-based um, things like good nutrition, eating properly, getting good sleep, yoga, meditation, mindfulness but what's happening is at the other end of the wellness trend you're starting to see things which is pseudoscience um, which are also beginning to creep in mainstream discussion and this impacting is going to impact the wine industry. Right, so The major thing that people behind the clean wine trend and associated um, wine brands is that they're making claims that these wines are literally either healthy for you or they're healthier for you than conventional wine. Now, you can see this claim from the good clean wine people, which is the two young women that launched um, their clean wine, that they literally come out and say in their advertising that if you drink their wine, you'll have less likelihood of hangover. Part of the reason that they're saying that is because they are new entrants to the alcohol sector. They may not realise that making these kinds of claims is bordering on flouting the law. But a number of these companies are actually coming out and saying that their wines are healthy and by um, implication that conventional wines are unhealthy company that's jumped in on this there's a company called wink which is a data driven company um, it started a few years ago they look at they sell wine primarily online primarily it's bulk wine that's been rebashed in different ways and they sell it to different consumer segments and i spoke to brian smith the co-founder earlier this year um, for about another matter i was really interested in how you do a technologically driven um, wine company um, and and the way that they look at consumer behavior and then they design wines to fit different consumer niches. And just before I interviewed him, this wine suddenly popped up, the wonderful wine, which again tells you nowhere about where it comes from other than it's from France or it's from Spain, but whose packaging is very close to being uh, about things like biodynamics, about astrology, which is very popular at the moment. Um, all of the brand imagery is around sort of 1960s hippie culture. And there's the implication that there's a health and wellness vibe around this. Brian Smith said to me the reason that they had launched this wine was because he lives in Los Angeles and he'd started to see the wellness and mindfulness trends spread really rapidly and that he thought that it was only a matter of time before wine needed to step up. And, and produce some wines that fit into this category. Um, these wines have proliferated at an amazing rate. Some of them, like Life Vines, um, are, are very small players. Um, this one, Minor Bodies, is actually a low-alcohol, low-calorie wine that's just been launched. Um, it's by uh, a, a big player. Um, interestingly, although these, these wines are selling really well, they're actually technological products. They're not uh, they're not um, traditional wine making, So in order to make this premium low-calorie wine, they probably used something like a reverse osmosis or something to remove the alcohol. Um, to the right is Fitvine, which is a very interesting wine. Um, again, it's, it's wine that is not very different from any other wine that you might see out there. This particular one, the Cabernet Sauvignon, has 14 degrees of alcohol. So this is not uh, a low-alcohol, low-calorie wine at all. But because of the badging as to do with sport, it's actually a best-selling wine at Whole Foods. Um, Again, my magazine, Mining is Wine Business International, interviewed the the guy who put this together. And he says um, the the winemaking has been done to reduce any possibility that you'll feel lousy afterwards so there's no... um, uh, winemaking with oak because oak can introduce some things called biogenic amines, which I'll talk about a little bit later, which can make you feel unwell if you if you drink that in combination with some foods. But again, it's not that they don't they don't make any deal about where the grapes come from. The the land it comes from and who made it is not part of the the um the the advertising. But yet they've managed to build an amazing community around them. This, they've managed to get people who are into health and wellness and fitness who have are living their life around this brand, which is quite extraordinary so let's talk about the keto diet which has actually driven a lot of this keto diet really exploded on the scene in the 1970s it was part of the sort of diets that were out in those days like the scarsdale diet and the atkins diet um, and its is that you should eat only high fat and low carbohydrate and not very much protein and, and actually it's not that great a diet in terms of vitamin deficiency some some 60 people actually died in the years when it was very popular so it it fell out of um, it fell out of fashion. Oprah lost weight in the 1980s, but nobody was really using it except some bodybuilders because to do it safely, you have to do a lot of supplementation and taking vitamins. But then in 2003, a report came out in the journal Science saying that people were losing tremendous amounts of weight during this diet, and if they were careful about their nutrition, they could also remain healthy. Um, somebody called Tim Ferriss introduced it to the biohacker crowd, and biohacking is a very really important part of this story. Biohacking is kind of the male version of wellness. Um, it's people using using techniques, some of which are scientifically dodgy, some of which may be promising, to change their body. So it's things like people immersing themselves in freezing cold water, ways of boosting the immune system, um, or, or using headphones that supposedly pump in different um, brain waves to help you concentrate better. It's that kind of technological approach to the body. And Tim Ferris is very well known in this community. And by him talking about the Joe show, which is a popular podcast, um, this, this took off and it's now America's favorite diet. But the key and most important thing about it is that it relies on low sugar. And the other thing is once people start using keto, they actually find it more difficult to metabolize alcohol. So the relationship with wine changes. So one of the biohackers who was really interested in this is a guy called Todd White, and he discovered after he went on keto that he had to stop drinking wine because of this metabolic effect. So he started looking for wines that he could continue to drink and he found was um, he from California, he found some natural wines from Europe that were low alcohol, very low in sugar, um, did the job, he started introducing it to his, his biohacking friends and pretty soon he had a really big business. And now it's a huge business inside the United States, it's a subscription service for natural wines. But if you look at what the um, the thing under performance leaders, what's really interesting is, again, he's not selling the wines as being part of the land or the culture. he doesn't about that a little bit but for him what's really important is that all of these health gurus have said that this is the right wine you're drinking with keto now todd white isn't somebody who's just running a business He's also putting a lot of advertising out there over social media, which is denigrating commercial wines. He talks about how much they contain sugar. And as you can see from the picture, he actually makes it appear as though winemakers are dumping actual cane sugar into the vat as opposed to um, talking about residual sugar. Um, and one of the products that he's been particularly um, attacking is anything that uses a, a thing that is used in the States called Mega Purple, which is a grape, grape concentrate, which is sometimes used in really cheap for, for colour and to add residual sugar. But what's really dangerous about some of these companies is when they talk about other winemakers, they're talking as though everybody out in the market is using mega purple. They're talking as though everybody has really high residual sugar. It's a technique that's called disparagement marketing or denigration marketing, which is to make yourself look better by denigrating the competition. In the case of Todd White, he actually believes it. I've spoken to him. Um, he's very, very passionate about health and well-being. He's very passionate about his biohacking. He's um, also something of conspiracy theorist. He gave a talk last year and he, he gives a number of these talks where he tells people that the wine industry is actually colluding to make people unhealthy. And one of his claims is, is that why, the reason that alcohols have gone up is not because of the parkerization or climate change, as, as we would think, but because big wine companies are actually adding more alcohol. Alcohol to get people more addicted to their product. Um, he has quite high reach and unfortunately what he's discovered is that he, the wine industry is hiding some things. He often sends other wines off to a laboratory to be tested for their levels of alcohol and sugar and he often finds that the alcohol that's on the label bears no relationship to the actual alcohol inside the, the, the bottle and that the sugar and alcohol is much higher than it's stated. He's becoming an increasingly important person now so I want to move over and talk about clean beauty like what's this got to do with wine well it's very telling that Cameron Dyers's partner Catherine Powers comes out of the clean beauty world and the two women that started the good clean wine company actually started um, are actually beauticians who own a spa now what happens in 2009 was there was a study done about an ingredient called parabens which is a, a preservative in cosmetics that stops cosmetics from getting funguses and going off and oxidizing and in a a study that was done on breast cancer someone to their horror discovered that a slide that had breast tumor cells on it was absolutely riddled with parabens and so what they assumed was that there was a relationship between using parabens and developing breast cancer and when this got out um, it it sent the 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 beauty industry into free fall because everything had parabens this this um this preservative so there was a real rush to get rid of parabens and also to get and they began to look at other ingredients to say well maybe we've got other ingredients that are really bad for you and a whole um a whole movement has sprung up which is to remove Um, anything that is chemical from beauty ingredients. Now, unfortunately, in order for beauty ingredients to actually work, you need some of these ingredients. And it turns out that they weren't that bad for you. Anyway, when somebody went back and looked at the paraben study, they discovered that not only was the paraben turning up in everything in the laboratory, it turned out that the slides they were using had actually been wiped with a cleaner that had parabens in it. So it wasn't that the, the, the breast cells had so many parabens in it, it was the slide itself. But this didn't change anything. And so this has kicked off a whole Movement to move toward natural ingredients and to get rid of anything that's got a chemical name. And unfortunately, in some cases, um, people are using worse quality ingredients, and in some cases, they're, they're moving into botanicals, which are actually becoming endangered. So it's very significant some of the entrants into clean wine come from this background. And the other thing about the clean beauty movement is that it's pseudoscientific. It's, it's using language from the world of alternative health and pseudoscience about toxins and so on, which is not supported by scientific and medical understanding. And lastly, I'd like to talk about this company, which is called Scout and Cellar. Now, Carton Seller is a really, really interesting company. It's what's called a multi-level marketing company, which in itself is quite a um, uh, controversial style of business. It's where um, instead of employing people as salespeople, the company recruits um, consultants in the the old Avon model where somebody chooses to sell it to their friends and then they make a commission on what they sell, but also if they can get somebody else to sell the product, they get a commission on that person's sales as well. It's very difficult for consultants to make money. The idea is that you sell them a product that they really want to consume themselves. So it was founded after a lawyer called Sarah Shadonix said that she really loved wine. She wanted to retrain as a seller. She uh, She had been a lawyer and so she moved to start training as a sommelier and she quickly discovered that every time she went out drinking she began to feel sick and even when she reduced the alcohol she still felt really sick so in her origin story she goes to lots of doctors it's very hard to find out what she did sometimes in the media it says she went to naturopaths sometimes it says doctors it was probably naturopaths because they said to her it was the toxins in wine it was the additives and the winemaking process that was making her sick not the alcohol so she set out she says to start this company where she only sells wines that have no additives and no preservatives it's just wine interestingly she doesn't claim it's a natural wine I've tried to find out from the company whether they use things like inoculated yeast or natural yeast they won't answer media questions um, the the wine is bulk wine again origin is not important they don't tell you who makes it or where it comes from and the wines are very high priced but the the um, the big selling point is that they're Uh, fermented to dryness, that there's no residual sugar in it. This has struck a nerve with consumers, even though it's quite a difficult sales model. In its first year of operation, it made $20 million and it's on track this year to make $60 million, which is an astonishing growth. And anyone who says you can't make money in wine should have a look at this model. But again, what they're using is what's called disparagement marketing. And what's really dangerous about this is because of their model, which is getting ordinary people to sell the wines. So I think at the moment they have some thousands, maybe 3,000 consultants across the United States. Their individual consultants are not professional salespeople. So what they're doing is they're trying to sell through Instagram and social media, and they're using these memes. And they're doing it to attack normal wine. And they tell their friends not to drink conventional wine because if you can see um, this this thing about... um, you know, that our wines have zero grams of in, um, added sugar. It's tended by actual people and not mass produced by industrial agricultural methods. Uh, we don't make wine in the laboratory. Of course, they're suggesting that everybody else does make wine in the laboratory. And the most concerning thing about it is they keep talking about the 250 commonly approved additives like cyanide or mega purple or GMOs. I actually went in and fact checked this. There are no GMOs that are legal for use outside the United States and inside the United States although GMO yeasts in theory are legal there aren't actually on the market. cyanide. I had to look up was used a long time ago um, in Soviet winemaking to remove um, heavy metals from wine from iron. Again you can't even buy cyanide, and it's being removed from the register of legal additives. So these these claims are not actually true, um, but they're being spread far and wide and fast through social media. So first of all, we have to ask the question, I mean, are they right? Is conventional wine toxic? And and I was really interested in this. So I spoke to a woman called Dr. Krina Stockley, who is a pharmacologist. She's one of the best known in the world. She creates Um, she she works with uh, lawmakers to to talk about what is legal to use and not use in wine. So every country has a registry of legal additives and processing aids. And this changes as scientific understanding changes. And what Dr. Stockley told me was that in the last 20 years, winemaking has become so good that a lot of winemaking additives have actually been removed from the registers, that winemakers today use less processing agents than they did 40 years ago, simply because viticulture is so good. Secondly, what she told me is that there are no toxins as we would understand it in wine apart from ethanol itself. Wine is an extremely safe product. It's highly regulated more than any other food stuff. And there is nothing in wine that can do you any harm, even if it's a residual of something. And I said to her, Well, what about combinations of things? If people are using yeasts and enzymes and um, you know, PPV to remove colour. Could the combination cause you damage? And she said, no. The problem with wine, that the unhealthy thing, is ethanol. There can be one problem, though, which is interesting, and she said it was biogenic amines. And this seems to be the culprit in some new world wines, that as you do malolactic fermentation, It can produce these compounds called biogenic amines, which um, one of which is histamine, can give you a a slightly unpleasant reaction. Interestingly, it's not the wine itself that will make people feel lousy. It's what they eat in combination with the wine. So um, these histamines are also found in things like um, cured meats, in cheese, in fish, in some vegetables. So if you're standing around in an afternoon and you're drinking a a Chardonnay that's had malolactic fermentation from a warm climate area and you're snacking on cheese and charcuterie and uh, some sorts of vegetables you're actually getting an accumulated dose of histamine that is going to make you feel really unwell by the end of the day but it's not the wine it's the combination of everything that you ate during that day unfortunately that's a very complex thing to have to tell consumers it's much easier for these people to simply say conventional wine is unhealthy okay so now we come to a question of The clean wine companies are making an enormous amount of money. So is this an opportunity for the wine industry? Is this something that the wine industry should also um, jump on? One of the most interesting things is that Sarah Shedonics in one of her PowerPoints said that she discovered that Nielsen was saying that people would pay more money for things that were free from than they would for things that had healthy ingredients. So what do I mean by that? So if you can put on a packet of something that it's it's GMO free or it's aluminium free or it's Tiger free, you can charge more money for that product than if you actually um, have healthy ingredients inside it. So is this an opportunity? Should people be saying my wine is, you know, radiation free or whatever? And I think the answer has to be a no for one very clear reason. There's a study that was done in 2016 that really clarified this more than anything, that when you start disparaging and when you start making fear-based marketings, it doesn't drive people towards your product. It actually ruins the entire market. There was a study done in a, in a low-income community which had been which had been bombarded with messages about organic fruit and vegetables. And the organic fruit and vegetables people said, we don't spray pesticide on our um, fruit and vegetables. Um, so if you choose us, you can be guaranteed that you're not getting any of these nasty toxins. And what happened is people who didn't have a lot of money on the one hand couldn't afford to buy organic, but they became really frightened of what conventional fruit and vegetables might have on it. And so they just stopped buying fruit and vegetables altogether. So let's talk about pesticides. Is pesticide something that we should be really worried about? I spoke to the LCBO in Canada who test, a lab test every single wine that comes into their region, which is over 22,000 a year. And they said they test for pesticide residue. And of the 22,600 wines that they tested last year, they found 20 that had pesticide residue on them. So going down this fear-based message is, is not only dishonest, but it has the, uh, the possibility that it will actually be bring the entire wine market into disrepute. The other problem is all bottles of wine look the same if you start if people start to say that there are some wines which are good for you and some wines which are full of toxins consumers cannot tell the difference all of the bottles look exactly the same. The other thing is that making health claims about alcohol is absolutely against the law. Um, Under the Trump administration, the body that was responsible for this, the TTB, has been fairly toothless. It hasn't gone after people. But under a Biden administration, we can expect that they're going to follow through on some of the warnings. So what should the wine industry do in the face of this? I honestly believe that this clean wine phenomenon and some of the associated claims that are being made out of it, it's a very small niche at the moment. But because of the rapidity with which it's moving across social media, I think it is a dire threat to the wine industry that we have to take very, very seriously. So in the face of this and in the face of the fact that trying to explain that wine is not full of toxins, it takes more words and and more time than just to go, my wine doesn't have GMO in it. What can we do? First of all, you need to know that consumers of these of these healthy wines are not interested in the sustainability story. They don't care about um, where the wine was made. They don't care about the territory. They don't care about the... Um, the the family that made it. All of those cues simply don't work with this audience. What does is the green message. So the more that you can talk about the greenness of the way you farm, and if you use the word about the health of your land, is a really important way to talk about it. Secondly, the, the, the critics of the wine industry have got some points. It turns out that the wine industry has been very poor and very dishonest about talking about alcohol and sugar levels and it's time that we did talk about them and put accurate um, representations of what they are on the labels and lastly it's time that we started to talk about the winemaking process Um, and maybe the wine trade has been at fault there over years and years we've presented the idea of wine as this bucolic, pastoral family green thing but ever since louis pasteur discovered the secret of fermentation two centuries ago Chemistry is an integral part of what makes winemaking work. Now, the wine trade's been really good at making some chemical names sound really positive, polyphenols, resveratrol, and I think it's time that we talked about the fact that as well as being an art and a craft, wine is also a process of chemistry, Um, and that rather than giving in to people who are phobic about chemical names, we need to explain Um, how the the chemistry of wine actually works. It's obvious that people who are interested in health are are interested in some of those stories. Lastly, another thing to be aware of is that it's really important to take this seriously because at the end of 2022, possibly um, wine labelling is finally going to be a reality in the EU. And once the EU does it, the new world will have to follow suit because they want to export to the EU. So what does wine labelling mean? It means that anything that has been used as an ingredient in the wine, whether it's an inoculated yeast or an enzyme or ascorbic acid or you know sulfur, sulfur compounds or whatever will have to be on the label. Um, what will not be on the label is um, processing aids, so something that is added to wine and then removed doesn't have to be talked about. Is this going to scare the pants off people? Actually, no. The co-op in the UK has been doing this um, for years and years and it turns out people really don't care. What they do care about is they do now, they care about the alcohol level and they care about the sugar level and they care about transparency. Um, So that is my talk on clean wine. Um, I hope that you will take this seriously. At the moment, it's not something that European consumers are particularly caring about, but where California goes and where the United States goes, the rest of the
1: world often follows. Thank you very much. Certainly have um, a number of challenges. And for those of us who are you know, in the wine trade in the US and seeing a lot of these brands grow, particularly uh, online, I think it is absolutely something we need to take seriously. I have a question for you as it relates to um, a lot of the brands you're talking about have a very heavy focus on community and on social media from that um, building that kind of collective consciousness. Can you speak to that as it relates to messaging and how Um, brands are talking to wine drinkers that might be a little different?
0: Well, what's really interesting is that a lot of this content is being generated by wine drinkers themselves. It's not coming from the companies. Um, People who, And and it's really because people gather in communities for fitness activities. And so um, it's becoming more and more usual that when they do that, they're sharing wine with each other. And so um, it's actually an organic process that's happening rather than a marketing process that's happening, which is really, really interesting. but, by the way, I should say the guy who puts fit wine, fit vine together has been very thoughtful about it. He's done all the research into biogenic amines, and so he's he's moved to remove anything from the wine that could be um, a problem. I, I, and I, I, you know, so I think I think there is also some really interesting innovation going on in wine. it's It's not all, bad or negative. But the thing that is really negative is the disparagement marketing and and having communities of people who are coming together, not just to talk about wine, but to disparage conventional wine is something that we should be really worried about.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay, we have 55 seconds left. If you had um, a big bag of cash to go and invest in one of these clean wine companies, who would it be?
0: It would be Wink, actually. The fact that they're a uh, um, a, uh, a technology and data-driven company—they're really clear about what they do, and they're, they're very innovative. And I think the second one would be Dry Farm Wines, because on the one hand, I think Todd White—I've I, I listened to some of his conspiracy theories and just rolled my eyes—but I think he's also, a, I think he's also a good actor in terms of he picks good wines, he, he uh, pays people on time, he pays people really well, and we need more of that
1: in the wine trade. Wonderful. All right. Well, with that, we're going to leave on that note. I'm going to go and get some money together. And thank yeah. you so much for joining us and uh, spending an hour together.
0: Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin.